to make extremely difficult and soul-searching decisions. We're talking about practice. I am back north from Clearwater, and Mike Sielski has replaced me down south. I'm Dave Murphy, columnist with the Philadelphia Daily News. I am staring at a little postage stamp-sized photo. It is moving, and it is of Mike Sielski wearing headphones and sitting in the lobby of Bright House Network's field down in, Clearwater, down in, in Clearwater, Florida. What's the weather like today, Mike? It is uh, 75 and sunny and beautiful. Um, there is disappointment in the air because... Uh, Dominic Brown did not make the trip with the Toronto Blue Jays for today's game. Um, it's so a long trip. I, I understand why he would sit that one out. Yeah, so uh, we're all disappointed uh, that we're not going to get a chance to talk to D. Brown, but uh, otherwise, beautiful day for baseball. I was being facetious, by the way. Denis, uh, Dominic Brown is currently in Blue Jays camp, right? Yes, he is. But uh, Denis, yeah, Dunedin's what, like a 15-minute ride, if that, and Dominic apparently didn't want to make it. So here we are. Even 15 minutes plus how long to stop at Lenny's? Uh, it's not on the well, way, actually. Oh, it's not. Okay. Yeah, it's really, it's not on the way at all. Plus, uh, uh, let me say this: I don't want to, I don't want to get too controversial on this podcast. I mean, yeah, right. It's a family-oriented thing. But <laughs> Lenny, Lenny's, as much as I like eggs, Lenny's one of the most overrated places in Clearwater, Florida. I mean, it's you, you know, you know what, Murph? It's funny you say that. I was having this discussion with somebody last night. There are a lot of places in Clearwater that are regarded as places you must go to if you go to Philly spring training. Um, and then, but if you think about them, like if they were up in Philadelphia yeah. or in the Philadelphia area, they would just be another place. Well, like um, I, I tell people who come to town, you know, they say, you know, where are the food places I should go to? I say, don't bother with Pat's and Gino's. It's not actually that good. Go to the Knicks or someplace like that. That's actually got a, a good sandwich. Yeah. The problem is in Clearwater, there, there's actually no good place to, act, right. to go besides Lenny. So that, so the Pat's yeah. and Gino's becomes the place to go. Right. Otherwise you're left with like. Uh, Smoky Bones or Applebee's. I just figured everybody yeah. goes there because it's where everybody has always gone. Yeah, yeah I mean, well, it, I went to. I'm sorry, Mike. I went to Carabas. No, I was gonna say I went to Carabas last night because is that a local joint? I, <laughs> just because I wanted chicken parm somewhere, and the, the the place was packed on a Monday night. If I ever come into money, I'm I'm investing it in a Carabas franchise in Florida because that's just the place to be. That's what your is fan, going on? Fan club yeah. back there. Mike. Do you have group? Do you have groupies there in the lobby, yeah. Mike? There's a reunion in the lobby here, so uh, we're, you guys might want to have to talk. Well, it's, uh, it's live radio. We'll make do. We, all, we always like figure C out a way somehow. It's like Sealski Mania in Clearwater, Florida. It's like Bieber. I'm here, are you and dancing like just cannot handle it. Are you dancing like Bieber right now? You I, should see I, this. I can, I can at least attest Mike that no, is, he is not. Mike is up doing the whip and the nene on my <laughs> computer screen. I'm this dancing is amazing. like uh, Nene. Uh, no, whoa, 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 whoa. Leave the shirt on, Mike. Leave the shirt on. Leave the shirt on. All right, let's talk about tank. Hey, let's talk about tanking because this is like. Okay. First of all, this is a completely manufactured. This is all right. With all due respect, Jason Stark and Buster Olney, both of whom are great baseball writers, but this whole tanking thing has essentially been there. I, look, here's here's the thing about baseball, and I, I feel like I can speak with it's, like, it's kind of like speaking about family. Like I, I'm, I've been there and I've been <laughs> on the inside, so I think I can I can speak about it. We got some it, big coming very, here. Hold on, it's a very insular community, and like it's also like yes. a very needy community where when nobody's paying attention to baseball like people have to be the you know the guy and like the it's just like baseball has to be the epicenter of everything and like when 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 all of a sudden people are paying attention to taking in basketball you know the, the reaction from baseball is well well that happens here too right um you know and and that's not again like there's i i just 
anyway, Mike, just take, I, I can't, I can't get into a rant right now. No, so. Yeah, no, you're, you're right about this. You did a blog post about this, uh, today, Tuesday, and I wrote my column on Monday about this, linking what the Phillies are doing in this discussion you're talking about, right. um, to what the Sixers have done and the Flyers have done, not so much in terms of tanking, just right. in terms of being willing to say, we're, we're not going to do everything we possibly can to win right now. We're going to play for the long term, which you know, it's kind of separate from the issue of tanking per se. The Sixers are tanking. Right. I'm not sure anybody would say the Phillies are tanking. I'm not sure anyone would say the Flyers are tanking. But they are linked in that, you know, the Flyers didn't make a trade at the deadline on Monday. Right. And that's unusual for them. They have a history of doing that, um, but they're not doing it. And the Phillies did not go out and spend any free agent money the last two years um, under the auspice of, hey, we're going to, you know, build over the long term and find out what we have in these prospects. And of course, we all know what the Sixers are doing. So yeah, Murph, I think you're 100% right. In fact, Jason was here yesterday, was here on uh, Monday when Tony Clark, the MLBA, um, MLP, MLBPA players came union. and talked. Yeah, Players Union talk, uh, head talk. And uh, you're right. I mean, it's it's not the same thing, but the Phillies are kind of getting looped into this discussion because it's easy and convenient. Well, and also because we need something to write about over the offseason. Sure. And, and, and yeah. the giant... Let's not underestimate the, 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 the significance of that. I mean, baseball writers, at some point, especially in a free agent market where not a lot of action is happening, need to find something to write. And, and the yeah. giant, you know, sort of Snoke-esque wait, 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 of, whoa, whoa, of whoa, the whoa, Star Wars whoa, 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 whoa. Star Wars reference. I mean, I mean, you're going to have to explain... If you're going to drop Star Wars references, soccer references, I'm not like, dropping soccer references. Like I gave up on that. Non Villanova Big Five references. Okay, so you're going to have to explain <laughs> the, that. The prototypical id of the Philadelphia sports fan who demands that his. his First, you, you still have to explain what that word means. Snoke. Snoke is the, is the arch villain in the Star Wars of The Force Awakens. Okay. All right. And he appears as an apparition, like an oversized a ghost. hologram projection. Okay. Um, like Tupac? That I would I not Han know. Solo was the villain. Han Solo's kid is the is the is the emo hipster I'm wannabe kidding. villain. I saw the movie. They all die. So um, spoiler alert: everybody dies. Yeah, There's no more die. Star Wars. The that of Philadelphia sports demands that the team not only compete to win relentlessly, as as you wrote, Mike, but spends a lot of money in doing so because that's where the inferiority complex against New yeah, York but, comes. Yeah, but all right. So here's my thing with and that. they're not right. Here's the thing. Well, here's they just say, they 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 think they're right, but in reality they are not. Here's the thing with baseball. The Phillies, I would argue, the thing that's artificial about this construct to me is that the Phillies, to me, there's nothing like no one. No one will give a for instance or a counterfactual as to what the Phillies could have done to be anything more than marginally better than what they are right now. I mean, they went out and they signed AJ Burnett two years ago, and they were a bad team. Like this is not. That's the thing about baseball is is once you get to a certain point, all hope is lost. And you know, again, show me a move that would have made them you know, anything close to a playoff contender. And, 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 if, and if there's no move that would have done that, which there wasn't, then why would you, you know, you are, the smart thing is to, you know, you playing your young players is playing to win. Not spending money is playing to win. I think. I'm with you. 100%. Whereas like in the NBA, it's more ends based. Uh, you know, the loss does, the losses do matter because the traffic matters so much. But in Major League Baseball, it's actually, you're actually incentivized in, in a perfect world, you know, Charlie Morton and uh, what's his name? Jeremy Hellickson will finish one, two in the Cy Young voting. So you can flip them for prospects. I mean, cause that's how it works in the MLB. It doesn't work like that in the NBA because there's such a limited talent market. 
Right. And and the NHL is a different animal altogether because the the playoff system and the results have been so random over time, generally speaking. Um, certainly in the Eastern Conferences compared to the West lately, that you can trick yourself into thinking how good you really are when you're actually not that good. Take the Flyers in 2010. They go into the playoffs as a seventh seed. They make a miracle comeback in the second round against the Bruins, get to the finals. And then they have some problems, and within a year or two, they're breaking up that team. Um, and, you know, they've gotten themselves in trouble like that over the course of 40 years, where they're on this orange and black hamster wheel of trying to win the whole thing every year instead of taking a step back and saying, okay, where are we weak? Where are we strong? You know, where are we in relation to the salary cap? And where can we get ourselves healthy over the long term? And the result of that is that they've cleared the decks now for a, a generation, possibly, of really good young prospects. 25, who might 25 not years. Light of day. 25 years of really good young prospects. A generation. A generation in hockey is less than 25 years, but there's there's a core of prospects who might otherwise, Mike, not have seen the light of day had Ron Hextall not been willing to do this. Well, yeah. I mean, in the past, you know, that's what made Monday and the fact that they didn't make a trade so striking. Even though nobody really expected them to make a trade, the fact is that their history is littered with them coming up to trade deadlines and either wanting to make a push for first place in the division or the number one seed in the conference, um, or just to get into the playoffs that, you know, you kind of take for granted they're going to make a trade. And they didn't. And, and they stuck with what they have, and they're making a playoff push anyway, which is fine, but it's not the be-all and end-all of their existence. They're, they're looking ahead, and that's a good thing. For the first time in a long time, it's a good thing. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, again, like, I, I, I don't even know that this is a... I don't even know how much time. Yeah, you're right. It's it's a manufactured sort of debate in that because it's so obvious with the Sixers. And as you said, baseball is kind of, you know, looking for something to generate discussion. And, okay, you look at the American League and the 15 teams there. I mean, the the talent base in the American League is, is well distributed. I mean, any one of those teams could be relatively competitive. You don't have that situation in the National League. So it's easy to, to it's easy to have old seam heads look at the Phillies and go, oh, I don't understand what they're doing. Why didn't they go out and sign Austin Jackson to play right field? They'd be better, you know. And that's not the point. That's it's just it wouldn't help them at all. Well, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you one, and it plays off a couple of things I've read in the papers over the last couple of weeks, including Matt Gelb writing last Sunday, it's either last Sunday or the Sunday prior, about how the payroll was going to be under 100, potentially under 100 million dollars, for the first time in a long time. It's the the moral satisfaction that a segment of the Philadelphia sports fan base gets by the spending of money on players. I don't think it's just Philadelphia. I think it's a lot of markets. I mean, look at what the Mets, the Mets took a ton of criticism from 2011 on um, because they didn't spend money. Now, part of it was because they couldn't because Bernie Madoff had they invested so much in Bernie Madoff and he had um, taken some of it. Um, and they needed to kind of write themselves, and they still do. But it wasn't until they, they went gaga and bonanza at the trade deadline last year and got Cespedes and a bunch of other players that the entire New York fan base and media market was like, oh, okay, the Mets are acting like a New York franchise. I mean, Which the means they're spending there, money because that's New York and what they do. They think you can just spend money and buy everything. Well, well the big market, I mean, they have, they have money to spend. and I mean, the Mets are a special circumstance because – they have a window that that's 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 going to close when Matt Harvey hits free agency in 2019, and and I think that's more. There's there's kind of an urgency there too, where they have these three cost controlled young starting, or four, three or four cost controlled young starting pitchers, and 
you know, now should be the time where they're they're now should be the time where all that money they've saved since 2011, they should be spending to, to like you said, just buy, you know, do what the Yankees do and overpay for these guys. But it makes no sense. You know, the, the last here's a here, here's the number one thing. And again, I, I've read all the all the the ironies that Scott Boris has inserted himself in this conversation as he is wont to do. And I seem to remember you know, and of course, Scott Boris happened to have a couple of clients who uh, probably right. should have taken their qualifying offers, but that neither here nor there. Scott Boris every year, you know, doesn't think teams spend enough money, which is understandable. He's 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 that's that's the position. He's an agent, yeah, yeah. He's entrenched in, but it's it's ironic in this circumstance because he he's come out with all these you know ideas to fix quote unquote whatever this problem is, and and he's the one. Who, who I seem to recall telling Mike Rizzo that uh, the the Bryce Harper and Steven Strasburg drafts are the years where the Nationals should want to, to, to play for that high draft pick. So I, I right. just found that ironic because I yeah I remember that was a big thing four or five years ago. And, and Rizzo, yeah. as in hawk to him in every way, which annoys some of us in this town. Right, but one of us in this the, town. The point of the matter is, but here's the thing: the point of the matter is, there's yeah, nothing, there's nothing that, there's nothing in this new CBA that MLB could do that would change a single thing that the Phillies are doing right now. And I think that that holds true for the majority of, 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 uh, of the teams that are, you know, whatever, not who have already conceded this season and are kind of playing for two or three years from now. There's just nothing they could do. There's not one thing that would change one iota of what the Phillies would do because the incentive, you would have to find a way for, for guaranteed contracts to be voided if they don't work out because that's the incentive for the Phillies right now not to not to sign Austin Jackson because the last thing you want to do is sign a player to a multi-year contract where that by the time you're, you actually are ready to contend, that player is no longer producing and you're carrying that salary around. Mike. Right, and, and to, you know, to, to piggyback on that, one of the things Tony Clark said Monday, it was kind of a, um, an interesting comment. He basically said, you want um, certain markets in Major League Baseball acting like those markets, i.e. the big markets. The expectation he had, and that I'm sure a lot of people around baseball have, is that big markets ought to spend, that they should be spending. Places like New York, L.A., Philadelphia, Chicago are just supposed to be spending big money on players. Well, that's what got the Phillies in the, <laughs> this problem in the first place. Um, and the fact that they're not doing that now, as we've kind of covered, um, you know, is, is really the only route they could go. And it's the smart route they could go. And you can make an argument they should have gone that route sooner. And Tony Clark, apparently tell me, Mike, how much has Tony Clark watched the Phillies in his life? Because for most of their existence, as you wrote very well, uh, they were not a big spender market size be damned. They, you know, he, he should know that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, and the other thing that gets to the heart, I mean, he was kind of, um, you know, teetering the line on the tanking, you know, question about, you know, you want, you understand flexibility, but you want, um, you know, competitive balance and you want all these teams to be trying to win. No franchise wants to be identified as not trying to win. Well, go back and look at Tony Clark's career. He spent the prime of his career with the Detroit Tigers, who I think went from 1988 through 2006 with maybe one winning season. So, you know, it's all great when you're trying to win and keeping up appearances if you just can't do it, if you're lousy at it. I mean, that's the question that the Sixers had to deal with once, uh, once uh, you know, they fired Doug, Co you know, they got rid of Doug Collins and, got, you know, cleaned house and brought in Sam Henke is, you know, do we want to continue to keep up appearances of trying to win and being really bad at it? 
or do we want to just break the whole thing down and and admit that we're not trying to win and you know hoarding draft picks and and trying to get greater and better down the road and as i've done a number of times on this show with both of you that i think it is perfectly fair to call out what the sixers were doing at that point in time doug as you said as being the fact that they were never actually going to win anything oh yeah yeah, I, yeah. I, I yeah i think that's that's the shift in in what's happened lately um you know teams have always tried to rebuild and wanted to rebuild i think executives um are more unapologetic unapologetic about it i think that's the difference they're they're you know the way sam hankey has been with the sixers the way the phillies have been lately since mcphail and and clentac came aboard um they're not apologizing for it um they're basically saying look this is what we have to do and we're willing to do it and there's nothing wrong with doing it and there are still a lot of fans and a lot of people involved in these sports leagues who have an issue with that route um with going that route so so uh so what's going on down there right now what am, what am i missing i came back on uh Thursday evening. What have I missed since then? In Clearwater, um, in Clearwater, Florida, I mean. <laughs> well, I got down here on Sunday, um, and and you're not missing a whole lot. I mean, obviously they open they open play. You know, we're we're recording this Tuesday morning at about eleven twenty, and they they open their Grapefruit League season in about an hour and a half um, against the Blue Jays. So, I mean, you're you're not missing a whole lot. I mean, it's no different from when you were down here in that. You know, there are all these fresh and familiar faces. The clubhouse is completely different. Um, there's not this kind of air of um, bitterness and just guys who really don't want to be here and, um, you know, aren't happy that the, the franchise is in the position that it's in. I mean, you've got a lot of young guys who are kind of bouncing around the clubhouse, wanting to get out there, knowing they have a shot at making the team or at least, you know, kind of advancing their careers. Um and that's different, and that's good. It's 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 something fresh and different. Then the games are actually going to begin, and they're gonna they're gonna find out how far away they really are from being competitive, and the tenor may change. But, um, you know, I mean, I'm curious. Like, I'm curious about a guy like Aaron Altier, who's, um, you know, is a guy they're gonna have to find out about. You know, he's kind of the anti Dom Brown. They're gonna leave him out there in right field to see what he's got for a while. And if he hits 120 over the first month or two, then he hits 120, and they and they know that, you know, it's Maybe he's not somebody that that they can count on over the long term. But if he, you know, produces in the way he produced in that small sample size he did at the end of last season, then maybe they have something. What what other stories are you uh, are on your radar down there? Um, I'm working on a piece for later in the week, actually, about Matt Clentac and how his um, his playing career at Dartmouth may have uh, informed his thinking as a baseball exec. And it's interesting, you know. I think. Um, you know, we've kind of touched on this in the past and touched on it in this in this discussion here. I think fans and people who um, follow baseball come in with a lot of preconceived ideas and stereotypes about, ooh, the Phillies hired a 35-year-old guy uh, to be their general manager. He must be a moneyball guy. He must be all about the numbers. And, you know, Clentac said some interesting things to me yesterday, you know, on Monday when I talked to him about um, how playing ball, even at the Ivy League level, you know, low Division One, kind of informed his thinking about, how you build a team. And it's not always about numbers and projections. It's about personality and, and teamwork and cohesiveness and those sorts of things. And um, so that, that's interesting to me. I mean, you know, to me, it's hard to get worked up about anything in the here and now because you're just kind of looking ahead. Everything is about looking ahead. So I'm, and I'm, Murph, I'm sure you got the same sort of vibe when you were down here too. About looking ahead? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, that it's hard to get. Well, yeah. Know, and that's the, I mean, that's, uh, I'll say this. I think this team is going to be 
far more interesting to watch this year just because, uh, like you said, a guy like Aaron Altier, you know, if you were to put odds on him ever developing into a, you know, first division everyday right fielder, I mean, it's probably below 20%. But there's at least some upside there. And and rather than, you, you know that Jeff Francoeur has no shot at developing into that guy. So I right. think that, the I don't, so I don't care about watching Jeff Francoeur's plate appearances. Um, you know, a double, I'm looking at the lineup for, uh, again, we're recording this on Tuesday, for today's game against, who are they playing, the Blue Jays? Toronto, Blue Jays. And Marcus Stroman. Uh, yep. Borjos Herrera, Franco, Howard, Altier, Aaron Sibia at DH, Hernandez, Ruiz, Galvis. It's an that could be. It's interesting. Uh, that, that could be the opening day lineup, I suppose. Um, with Ryan Howard and Carlos Ruiz, the two obvious. Uh, I mean, do you think they're in their own opening day? I do. Um, just because you know they're recognizable. Um, you know, they're the guys that everybody else in the clubhouse is kind of looking at is and you know okay you know they're accomplished major league players um and that makes them that alone makes them stand out in this clubhouse um so i think there is an element of that dynamic at play um just you got to put them in the lineup because they are who they are and, and who they've been i should say not who they are but who they've been um so we'll see i, I you know I, like it's, you're right murph i mean it's i'm more, I'm curiouser about this team than I've been in a long time. Curiouser? It doesn't make them good. I'm curiouser yeah. about your your vocabulary choice. Isn't it more curious? More curious? I don't know. Is it curiouser and curiouser or more curious? I, I don't know. know. Curiouser anyway. sounds like one of those words that sounds like it's incorrect, but it's probably correct. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. I'm, a, I'm in the lobby of a, of, a, of a bright house field. I'm just saying whatever comes in. I'll the defer line, to you. Line. But anyway, yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, you're right about like, Altier is yeah Altier is an interesting you know guy to me. Herrera is interesting to me because like I'm I'm in a way more interested in, uh, aside from I mean everybody's talking about the, the the prospects that we haven't seen at the major league level yet guys like Nick Williams um, and Alfaro and, you know I'm every bit if not more curious about guys who who saw time last year guys like Herrera guys like Altier uh, Cesar Hernandez. You know, do they take a step forward? What you know, because they're a little bit further along in the process, and so um, how much do they improve, if at all, this season with some time under their belts in the majors? What um, I'm 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 in the I'm in the middle of looking at Twitter. See, I think here's my thing. I think Sam Bradford is going to sign today here on Tuesday. Okay. So it's like uh, I'm trying. A, I'm trying to see if that has happened yet, because God, because <laughs> God forbid I not look at uh, Twitter for five minutes and miss out on life. Um, it would be a hell of a thing if it happened during the show, but uh, oh, they, yeah, they, they wouldn't like. do that to us. There's no way they do that. No, I, um, I, I they, think they, I they think, know they know to wait till we're finished. Yeah, I think Howie usually waits till we drop a new episode before he makes any significant moves. Uh, but yeah, I mean, do you do you get do you get the sense that uh, I I saw Joe Banner on Twitter? Uh, I don't know if it was yesterday or over the weekend, but he yeah. said ninety percent. I had it at ninety five percent like three weeks ago. Um, but what do you think? What, what's your number? It was at, at that they franchise him or that they sign him before the deadline. Uh, I mean, either, either or. I think it's I I think it's going to be signed before the deadline, but but either or. Yeah, I, I would I would go about seventy five percent. Although you know the fact that they've leaked 
you know, somebody has leaked that they've upped their offers to him. Mm-hmm. Makes me wonder if that's them saying, hey, we did all, all we could and Sam, you know, wants more or doesn't want to be here or whatever. Um, you know, I, I, for their sake, I hope I'm wrong about that um, because if they don't bring Bradford back, they are up, you know, who's creek. Um, at the quarterback position, as we've discussed ad nauseum, but cripple, um, cripple Creek up cripple Creek. That's a good way to put it, you know, where Sam sends me. Um, so we'll see. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're right. Twitter is insane today. There are other media outlets that are, um, really kind of pushing the anti Bradford, uh, meme, so to speak, um, kind of throwing everything in the kitchen sink at the idea that Sam Bradford really wasn't that good, uh, in the second half of last season. So, you know, We'll see. I, I don't know. I think it may, as we've discussed, it makes absolutely no sense for them to not bring him back or failing that, bring back some other relatively accomplished quarterback because you've built the whole premise of your offseason around the idea that this team was ready to compete and all it needed to do was change its head coach. So what, you know, what sense does it make to have your favorite quarterback, Murph Chase Daniel, or a rookie <laughs> um, you know, coming in and and starting right away if you're, if you're serious about competing right away. This is what I don't get. And and obviously I'm not as well-versed in the matter as the two of you guys are and as the beat guys and the folks who cover this team on a regular basis. Who do these people want? Who is the, What is the name of the person that these people want? Uh, in formal logic, it would look like the minus sign Bradford. So anybody but Bradford. If not Bradford, then they are happy. Uh, which again, which is what like Robert Griffin the third? Like I don't even know. Who I've the, heard. Who the, I mean the, the two. Person I mean the three most. The, the only three names I've heard are um, Chase. Uh, t- I mean the Chase Daniel thing. I, I, I've already I exhausted my energy on that. But um, if, if you haven't, had, listeners, if you haven't had a chance, Google David Murphy and Breakfast on Broad uh, <laughs> and find the video of him from Clearwater. Um, you know, quite literally. Um, I don't know. Now I don't know that you foamed at the mouth, but you did sputter in exasperation over the concept that the Eagles would sign Chase Daniel. I did not swear, so that's all that's all that I yeah. care about. Well what was going on is so I've I had never been on Breakfast on Broad before. Um, Does that mean I got on before you did? Uh <laughs> if you got on before I went off on Chase Daniel then yeah. I, wow. That's um, that's that's a resume accomplishment for me. Well that's that's dude we're gonna have to Aim work high, on that. we're gonna have to Aim work high. on that resume <laughs> there, brother. Oh believe me. Um, but yeah, anyway, so so I was uh, but spring training I'm down there. Put it this way I, Dave Murphy don't get up at six in the morning to drive to anybody's house you know like so so i gotta be there so i was there it was seven in the morning i was already there so i did it um and it was me and me and my buddy marshall who me and him were combined 0 for 11 from the field last night in our our it was a thrilling win in the semifinals of the philadelphia sport and social club basketball league at the bellevue but marshall harris of comcast sportsnet and i um we were sitting there waiting to go on air and you know like the ifp you can like kind of hear people kind of not in your ear and there's someone somebody i i still don't know who it was but somebody was talking about chase daniel as if he was a legitimate possibility as, as quarterback for the eagles <laughs> and so we were supposed to talk about phillies and i was i was just sitting there ranting about it to marshall off air and then literally they like turned the camera on and so i just continued ranting about it but anyway so chase daniel mark and then mark sanchez which that's that that's almost more unbelievable than 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 Yes, because you had an up close and personal look at what he can do. It's like yeah. again, like these people have this like men in black thing where they just like forget every day <laughs> where Mark Sanchez plays a football game because I mean you literally saw the guy this year sandwiched in between Sam Bradford and it was like 
the only way you would ever pick Mark Sanchez is if you just completely forgot about it. Like, like maybe there's like a area of the brain where like lesions can form and like it, it disrupts, <laughs> it disrupts your Mark Sanchez term memory. Cause that's, that's the only thing I can think of. Cause there's, so that's not a realistic. And then RG three is kind of like, I mean, I actually like RG three. I think he got a, a, a bit of a raw deal in Washington. I, you know, I, I wouldn't be opposed to a team taking taking a chance on him, but 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 again, like people, like the, the the two arguments against Sam Bradford are he's never won or like he's whatever he's not a winner, and two mm-hmm. he doesn't stay healthy. Well, like that those were the two knocks on Robert Griffin the third too, and like anyone who thinks that there's a bet there's there are better odds. Like if you were going to go to Vegas and get a betting line on Sam Brad, the Eagles being better with Sam Bradford over the next three years or the Eagles being better with Robert Griffin the third over the next three years, the odds would be on Bradford because I mean, RG three hasn't played in two years. I'm not uh, convinced he's that great actually of a quarterback who Griffin. Well, I mean, that's almost besides the point. The point is people don't have an option. They don't have a legitimate option. Right. I mean, and then the and other, and then the other one is, on and then the other one is, is they want, they want the Eagles to draft the quarterback, which is understandable. But at the same time, the Eagles have the 13th pick in the draft and, and, these the top two quarterbacks this year, Goff and and Wentz. I mean, maybe Goff falls, but but again, a the biggest thing is it's not mutually exclusive. You can sign right, Sam Bradford, exactly. and if one of those exactly. guys falls, you can take him. But the other thing is, is you got to keep in mind if that's your if if you're saying that we're going to get our 2016 starting quarterback with our first pick in the NFL draft, there's an opportunity cost to using that draft pick yep. on a quarterback. Then you can't give that quarterback an offensive lineman. I mean, everyone says, oh well, we need the money to pay Sam Bradford to sign an offensive lineman and free agency. Well, you need the money that you're going to sign an offensive, you know, like why not draft that offensive lineman? It's just, there's not a lot of, and, and you there's throw, not a lot of logic to, 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 to people. And you throw that quarterback Mike right into mm-hmm. the fire. If you draft him and put him in right away and he gets pounded to smithereens. Why is he a heretic? And are we, are it, we burning it, him at the know, stake, it's, John? It's, Sorry, I, was, I, I, I watched the documentary on Martin Luther last night, so I've got. Uh, that's impressive. That's that's very good for your standards. I'm impressed. I, I mean, it was the only thing on, but, but it was interesting. The guy's a guy, a guy lived an interesting life. Mike, they dropped a daddy, quarterback. A lot of daddy issues, Martin Luther. <laughs> Seriously, very big daddy issues. The Reformation was like a, a product Not of, Mar- an area of, Mar- an of Martin Luther's uh, relationship with his father. My, Mike is staring at the ceiling as as we speak. <laughs> Mike, Mike, they. I'm dra- waiting for you to finish your yeah, thought. They now. draft a quarterback. Spit it out. Put him in there right away. He gets pounded to smithereens. Is it? And you know he's not going to win you a Super Bowl next year, whoever it is. Yeah. Look, you know we've had, you know, I I literally just had it in the Phillies press box with somebody not an hour ago about well he's never won anything. Okay. Well, put the never winning anything in context. Put him in St. Louis with Jeff Fisher and that offensive line and no weapons and playing the teams that he's playing against. Week after week, with the you know the Seattle Seahawks developing into a Super Bowl champion, with the San Francisco 49ers developing into a team that gets to three straight NFC Championship games, um, you know everything has its context. And within the, the Eagles' current context, they're in a lousy division. You know they've got the Cowboys with quarterback issues. You've got the Redskins being the Redskins, um, and you've got the Giants, you know, re- retooling as well. Like it just it makes sense on every kind of level. Like bring the guy back and see what he can do based on what he did in the second half of last season, and 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 let's see what happens because your options aren't any better. They're it's, they're in fact much worse. It's kind of interesting that the way that the the tanking 
you know, set aside the tanking word itself, but but it's kind of like the mentality. I, I think the mentality that people who like Bradford, who, who who don't want Bradford back. I mean, it's an understandable mentality, but it's it's ironically the mentality that you know is underlying the Sixers and the Phillies right now. Mm-hmm. It's that you know don't go out and lock yourself into a guy who's just going to keep you in the mediocre zone. The thing I think that's what they're thinking, which as you've said many times is a false premise, but the problem, but the problem in is, the NFL it is in yeah. the NFL. It is like that. It does. That does not exist in the NFL. Like there's nobody you can't, you can get rid of anybody after three years in the NFL pretty much. Uh, and usually before then, I mean, that's, that's just how it is. And, and there's no, there's no such thing as rebuilding in the NFL. Um, you know, like again, this is a lot like what where a the Chiefs were when they signed Alex Smith, where the the Giants were when uh, you know, like five years into Eli Manning's career. I mean, that's there's just everyone in the NFL has a chance on in in any given year, and that's just the way it works. And you know, you don't and quarterbacks are so scarce that you can't say, well. We'll just find. We just need to develop a new guy because chances are, by the time that Bra- by the time Bradford's contract is over, you still wouldn't have had an opportunity to get that guy. Yeah, I mean, we've gone. Sick. The thing that boggles right. my mind is we've seen it since Don- everyone wanted to get rid of Donovan McNabb, and this is what I said at the time when everyone accused me of loving Donovan McNabb. I didn't love Donovan McNabb. I'm I'm just a pragmatic person and said there's just not a very good chance you're going to get anybody who's better than Donovan McNabb, and 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 the NFL is littered with organizations. That, that have gone decades with that. I mean, look at the Bills, look at the Browns, look at the Raiders. Why do you, like why are they so bad? Because they, they they have not found that guy. And and you know, Kevin Cobb wasn't that guy, Michael Vick wasn't that guy, Nick Foles wasn't that guy. Uh you know, none of these guys were that guy. And now everyone just thinks it's gonna be easy to find this is this is gonna be the offseason when they can just go out and find that guy. Right. Exactly. And you know, I think a lot of it is the desire for something different. Whether it's better, whether it's not Fans and media like just want something different. Um, and that's not necessarily the best way to go about trying to field a team that can be competitive or compete for a division championship, especially in this era of the NFL. Um, you know, we've talked about this. And again, the, the, the idea, and you hit on something very, very astute, Murph, about the idea of we tend to look at these things as being mutually exclusive. Like if you have a starting quarterback, then therefore you cannot possibly draft one which is ridiculous. Um, you know, the Cowboys in the 60s and 70s did nothing but draft quarterbacks. Um, you know, that's what good teams do because, you you know, the Packers of the, of the 90s and 2000s, you draft quarterbacks because they're really valuable and you stockpile them and try to develop them and hope that you can, you know, either either a situation may come up where one of them has to play for you and he, now he's ready or you, you trade one for draft picks or players or whatever. I mean, that's you know, it's just that there's such an outsized importance to the position that you would be dumb not to draft as many or acquire as many as you possibly could. And frankly, I mean, they're at a point where they need so much that that it's almost you know forget about any anything you feel about Sam Bradford. It's almost they they almost are to a point where they need so much that they they need to sign every bird in hand that they have because they need to use those draft picks on other right. positions. Like they can't they can't they can't like opt to spend waste a draft pick on on a quarter on a position that they can just sign. In free agency, because they need to spend that traffic on on an offensive line. I mean, people. I don't think people understand how perilous the situation is up front right now. I mean, I mean, the fact that Doug Peterson is is already going out there and swearing that Jason Peters has two or three more years left when anybody yeah. who watched him <laughs> during the 2015 season would know that. I mean, maybe he does, but there's absolutely no way that anybody who watched him can say that he definitely has two or three 
years left. But that just goes to show you, you know, it, it, it's hard to sign guys in free agency as well. You know, I mean, yeah, like, no one, no one's just going to let, let a left tackle walk away. You know, I mean, they, everyone else needs a left tackle just as bad as the Eagles do. And and frankly, like it's why it, it's why when you look at these teams that win the Super Bowls, I mean, very few of them. You know, I, I don't think a single free agent, you know, made the Pro Bowl this year. Not that that's a great barometer, but there's just not a lot out there. I yeah, mean, look, like wide right. receiver and wise, like I, I think what Eric Decker might be the best guy on the market this year uh, or Marvin Jones. You know, yeah. there's just not teams aren't going to let guys walk away and everybody needs the same thing. So if like somebody's available, there's there's a reason why he's available, you know? Yeah, that's right. And. You know, the, 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 that applies to the quarterback position, too, in the sense, getting back to what we were discussing about, what are your better options than Sam Bradford? Well, okay, uh, you know, f- for a while the talk was Brock Osweiler. Well, it looks like Peyton Manning's going to retire. So no matter what you think of Brock Osweiler as a quarterback, and I personally don't think very much of him, um, the, the, the possibility that he could be a replacement for Bradford may be off the table because the Broncos may just go to him and say, okay, kid, job's yours now. Um, Peyton's not coming back. You know, the, um, yeah, I mean, the Redskins are thinking about franchising Kirk Cousins. I mean, right. Like that just goes to show you that 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 you know maybe maybe Bradford's more. I, the thing is, I think like in the end, both sides. I think both sides are realizing that. Uh, I mean, I think the Eagles already had realized it. Um, you know, but I think both sides are realizing that like they're the they're, they're each other's obvious option. You know, and I think right. everything else is just. Every, you know, us filling time and, and people not wanting to accept it. How are we going to fill time once they've actually made the decision and done this? That uh, I start to worry. Then we can start talking about DeMarco Murray. Oh, God. Oh, uh, yes. We just move down the line to um, Chip Kelly signees and tradies and see whether they're going to be happy or whether they're coming back or whether he's going to sign them. And, you know, has Chip talked to the media out in San Francisco yet? You know, the really pressing thing. You know what we could talk about? I watched the basketball game this weekend. Good for you. Congratulations. Are, are we, the, the Saturday night Oklahoma City Golden State game? Yeah, there, I think there was a guy named Steph Curry in it, and there was a guy named Kevin Durant in it. Oh, God. Oh, no. No. All right. And I would just, just do it. Get it over with. I would submit. Get it over with. I would submit that game as exhibit A in what me and Mike were talking about. Okay. Yeah. A few weeks back about Steph Curry being a, uh, a cultural phenomenon and Kevin Durant being a tremendous basketball player. Okay, and the difference fine. between the two. Sure. Who's, who's, who's over the hill. No, I'm just kidding. I, I just like seeing Jonathan's <laughs> face. I love seeing Jonathan's face. Uh, a, a few weeks ago. Don't we say ha- things like that when I'm a thousand miles away and I can't see his reaction. We, <laughs> I knew there we- was a reason why I didn't put a camera on this computer. A few weeks ago. I, I forget what episode of this uh, this award-winning podcast of ours. I forget which one that was that we, we talked about that at the end. But, it was bad. I have, I have erased it from my memory. But Jonathan is a big uh, Washington, D.C. fanboy. And... Uh, <laughs> And Kevin Durant is is his little buddy. No, no, he's not. <laughs> he's not. Anyway, but dude, he's did you watch six ten so, perimeter buddy? Did you watch that game, Mike? I watched the highlights. I, I honestly did not see the game. I was uh, yeah, I, didn't I was watch. with home with my sons. And didn't I didn't. I watched. It. I was at uh, at the palestra for most of that night. Came home to the sound of Mike Breen yelling "bang bang" all over the place. Yeah, the uh, I watched. I didn't watch it either. But I got home and I watched the the loop of yeah, the I vine. Know about a winning shot <laughs> probably yeah. 50 times yeah oh yeah um yeah it, it, i mean again like that guy the guy is just he, he's something else the great yeah it, did you see it, what phil jack did you see what phil jackson said that that uh yes yes <laughs> you know, I, I did not enlighten like, like, do people, do, 
do people just get dumb as they get older or there's what? A brilliant, uh, there's actually a brilliant, you know, it's funny. It's funny you say that because I, I just read about, you know, an hour ago, this brilliant column by Mike Vaccaro of the New York Post, who if That's you care great. at all about New York sports or care even a little bit, you should read back. He's, He's a great awesome. guy and a great writer. And, and, and he, he pointed that out. Like, you know, first of all, well, first of all, first of all, so to catch, so catch Jonathan and everybody up, Phil Jackson Sorry. on Twitter I can find the exact tweet, but he essentially said, everyone's making a big deal out of Steph Curry. People forget about Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was the most random. Like, keep in mind, this guy is the general manager. This guy this guy's in charge of building a, a basketball team in the largest market the NBA has. Um, right. And, and so the point is, like, in no way is that good. Either he is making a comparison between Steph Curry and the former Chris Jackson which is not a comparison at all in any regard other than they both played in the NBA for a relatively long period of time. But even if he's making a joke, like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> like, yeah. you're, you're spending your time like being a smart aleck on Twitter like a bunch of sports writers and sports fans are and Donald Trump fans are, you know, and you're not like trying to figure out how to make your team better. I, think, I don't know. It I think just, what it comes it down to is weird on a lot of levels. Does not surprise me though about him. It's one of the earliest things I learned about Twitter. Don't drink and tweet. <laughs> no. Or, no. Or if you're Phil, don't uh, you know smoke a peace pipe or something. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you will wake up in the morning and you will regret it. Um, yeah. But I, it was but, just I mean, fun. Getting was, back to that. Getting back to the yeah. game. I mean, you you watch the highlights and you watch the shots that that Curry is taking and making, and it's and it's the consummate example of like. Oh my God! Terrible shot! Terrible shot! Oh, Bad great shot because he makes it. And and it's and you have that mentality with literally anybody else in the NBA or college basketball or high school basketball who would be taking that shot. But with Steph Curry, it's like, yeah, whatever. Go ahead, you know, just do it because you make him half the time anyway. All right, so let's uh, let's in the last couple of minutes here. Let's look, let's look ahead. Uh, is St. Joe's going to make St. Joe's making the, making the tournament? Right? I think I, so. Yeah, I think they need to win a probably win one game in in the A10 tournament. Maybe not even. Does that start today? Uh, no, next week. Next week. Okay. Uh, I think they're pretty much in. I think Temple is really on the bubble. Um, you know, but really, I think, why I think would what, what's Temple's in. argument for inclusion? They've beaten enough. They've beaten enough good teams. They've also lost to some bad teams that they shouldn't have. Who have they beat? Who, which teams have they beat? UConn, SMU. Who else, Mike? Um, that's pretty much it. They've 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 done enough to be in the mix. Had they beaten Villanova, I think they'd be in much better shape. They need to make a deep run in the conference tournament. I don't think they have to win the whole thing, but I think it would it would do them well to win a couple games there, maybe reach the semifinal thereabouts. I think I think that Villanova the fact that Villanova lasted three weeks at number one goes to show you that how how down college basketball is this year. Uh I just I I mean I think Villanova's good, but at the same time I also think that Watching them against Xavier is exact is is like watching Villanova every year, you know, in the Sweet Sixteen. In the tournament, yeah, yeah, they, they just panic, the, and and Jay Wright just seems to like abscond or uh, abdicate. He abdicates the bench at times. It seems. Yeah, the the thing about them is that they're kind of it's kind of a weird dynamic in that they get very easy shots against teams to whom they are superior because their guard play is going to be superior. So. Archie Diacono can can find somebody on the perimeter or Jalen Brunson can penetrate or Phil Booth can penetrate or Josh Hart can penetrate and hit some shots. And that's all fine and good against most of the Big East and the entirety of the Big Five. But you get against a team like Xavier or NC State last year, which can, which can match them in terms of athleticism, 
um, and even out scheme them in some regard. And all of a sudden it becomes very hard for them to score. And, you know, you have nobody underneath except Daniel Ochefu, who's a nice player um, and can help them spread the floor a little bit and is a smart player, but is not somebody who you're just going to give the ball to, you know, 20 times a game and just rely on him for your offense. So, you know, it goes from being like, oh, they're up and down and they're beating a team by 15 to 20 points to the guards are trying to break people down in the perimeter and have and are having a tougher time doing it and can't get the shots they usually get. And all of a sudden they're in trouble. I, I worry more about the seemingly annual doing that against Seton Hall at the Big East tournament or some team like that than I do at Xavier. Xavier almost, I mean, Xavier obviously losing at home to Seton Hall a couple days ago was almost inexcusable. Yeah, nah, that's had, a, had they not, that's a letdown. Had, had they not, Xavier could have backdoored their way into a number one seed and all these other teams continue to fall apart. I think Xavier's really good, but I, it's, it's, the team, it's the teams of the Seton Hall caliber of the world that are like NC State, Mike, that you were just talking about. Well, that, yeah, but I don't think it's a matter of a letdown so much. I think I think the possibility for a and this is going to be strong, but I don't know that there's another for for them getting tight in in the first or second round this year is is real because they have so many kids back from last year's team, and that memory of that NC State game is going to be fresh in their minds. So if they hit any sort of adversity, you know, probably not in the first round game, but certainly in the second round game, it, it could come to the you know could come to mind. And they, and, and they know that in that game against. It could be Pittsburgh or a, or UConn or a team that knows them. Could be St. Joe's. It could be. It could, it's put it's way. It could be a team that has some interest in really going after them instead of a team from all the way across the country that they just happen to be drawn against each other. You know, and they're going to be yeah. playing. They're going to be playing for the right to come back home, and they could get c- totally nervous. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and but I think it's more of a matchup thing too. Like NC State was was a bad matchup for them last year. Long athletic team on the perimeter. You know, not particularly well coached, kind of unpredictable, and they they got a little confidence early on, and they started rolling. Um, you know that the matchup will matter. The matchup will matter a lot, and we'll we'll see. You know, we'll see. Yeah, I just don't see. T- I, I, it's just tough to see Temple making it. I mean, maybe if they would have put up, if they even would have put up a fight in some in against either yeah North Carolina or Villanova, but I mean, you know, SMU. I mean, UConn's not even ranked. Uh, you know, and, right. I mean, and that what, conference is bad. That the big, the biggest problem that Temple has. Um, I mean, I've ranted about a million things about the American Athletic Conference over the years, as you guys know. But from a very practical perspective, right now, there are so many bad basketball teams in that conference. Whether or not anybody cares about them, they're just bad teams that they drag the good teams in that conference down and cause all kinds of trouble for that for the Temples and the Yukons and so forth of the world come March. It happens every year. Well, anyway, that's our American athletic conference talk for the day. Um, <laughs> for a while, maybe I would, wouldn't but uh, I think Sparty wins it this year. That's my pick. I think, I think, uh, I think this is shaping up to be an Izzo year. I can, I can't believe he hasn't won more. He hasn't won another one since whenever it was 2000. It was 2000. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, but he gets, he gets there so many times. I know. With teams that on paper shouldn't get there. And, but I think this team's good. good. This team. I, I think good. this team. I think this team this year. There's they're so so good defensively, and now they have two guys that can, um, you know, two perimeter guys really that can yeah. make, make their own shots. Uh, and that's what that's kind of always what they've, they, you know, like when the, they they've always lacked a guy that like when the shot clock is winding down, you know, and the offense breaks down, can just kind of like pull, you know, 
pull up and hit that 20 footer right. or whatever. And the most, right. the, the most right. talented team in that conference, Mike, you and I were talking a couple weeks ago about the possibility of, of Villanova and Maryland playing each other in Philly. Maryland might not get there. Yeah, you're right. That's right. They've really taken a nosedive. Um, and I, I do think they're the most, they might not be the best team in the Big Ten. I think they've got the most talent. Yeah, uh, they might. They might. But, you know, they're in free fall. <laughs> so who the heck knows? I'm just curious to see if Grayson Allen and Duke trip anybody up on. Oh, you, you know, know they will. Stops. You know they will. You yeah. missed my point. You missed my joke. Trip anybody up? Get it. Trip. Get it. Trip, dirty player. No, I, 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 I think that he will trip somebody else again by the time the season is over. All You're right, supposed all right. to laugh, John. Laugh <laughs> <at> my, <laughs> jokes. my jokes are funny. And we're off the rails, Mike. Right. It sounds like you're. Uh, yeah. Sounds like you're ready to rock down there. What do you got? What are you doing? Is the clubhouse open yet, or what? You got any big interviews clubhouse, today? Clubhouse is closed. I'm getting ready to to grab some lunch and go up and write about Aaron Altier. Oh, that's good. How, how he's a nice guy. He's a very nice guy. A pleasant um, kid. Yeah. Good Ple- defender. He's he's built like he he played um, basketball at a pretty high level in high school. He's a good, good basketball player, and you could see that in his build. I mean, he 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 looks like he could be a you know a shooting guard at the Division One level. Um, really, you know, but bigger up top, and you know they're they're high on what they think he can be. It's just a matter of um, you know can he be? Is he going to be that thing? Is he going to be that you know power hitting outfielder? He's got a terrific arm in right field probably get the best outfield arm on the team of anybody in camp so um you know we'll see yeah he's a, I, I still think he's he's kind of a i think he could be a rotational guy on a uh, first division team but but again this that's what this is all about is finding out i mean he's, he's got yeah, it they gotta find out he's got One an opportunity another, and he's made out. some strides over the last couple of years to cut down his strikeout rate and, and increase his walk rate um and then again in, in that small sample size last year obviously he uh he hit for some power, so we'll uh, we'll read all about that on Wednesday. In the uh, if if you are listening to this on Tuesday, you can read about it tomorrow in the Philadelphia Inquirer. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, you can read about it today. And if you're listening to it anytime after that, you can go on to philly.com, uh, newlookphilly.com, and and yeah, newlookphilly.com, and and uh, right. look for Mike Sielski, and, and and it'll be archived there. I'm uh I'll be there too. I'm not sure what I'm writing about. In fact, I think I'm I was supposed to file an online column at some point today. Uh, anyway, maybe I better go. I'm sure do the that. spirit will move you, Jonathan Tannenwald. Uh, congratulations on your promotion. I don't know if we've discussed that. Oh, it's thank you. I, I don't know if it's it. a promotion, but it's, he's it's jo- enough of one. Jonathan is now on the uh, breaking uh, breaking news desk at Philly.com. Yeah, right? yeah. So he's uh, he's uh, writing story writing stories about Delonte West and Bill Bradshaw. He's make he's making the sausage. This is the guy that makes the sausage that you consume <laughs> on a daily basis on Philly.com. I'm Dave Murphy. Uh, columnist for the Philadelphia Daily News, Mike Sielski for the Inquirer, Jonathan Tannenwald for philly.com. See ya.